Hello and welcome to the Pro Wrestling Post podcast on this week's show. Karrion Cross drops the NXT Championship. What, find out what that means and more. Roman Reigns has returned and a payback card for this Sunday. All that and more on this week's show. And welcome once again to the Pro Wrestling Post podcast. How are we all? All good, I hope. This week we are a member down. Our head honcho, Mark Madison, has had to be called away on site business. We hope he's all good, and I'm sure he will be back next week. So this week it's just myself and Pete. How are we, Pete? We're doing just fine, uh, uh, Mark. How about yourself? I am very good. It's a balmy Friday afternoon here in the UK. I am just relaxing and chatting wrestling with you. I would, you know, it's it's... It's all good. I can't think of any better way to spend my Friday evening, to be honest. Yeah, that's a, that's a perfectly uh, perfectly good Friday afternoon. Fantastic. So, as we uh, mentioned in the open there, we have spoken about the Carrion Cross NXT situation. Uh, would you like to expand on that anymore? So, uh, last week at NXT TakeOver 30, Carrion uh, Cross took on Keith Lee for the NXT Championship and defeated Keith Lee for the NXT Championship. We had a new champion, Carrion Cross. This week, however, on NXT, he announced that due to an injury, he will have to relinquish the title. It, 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 I saw over here in the UK, obviously, we're, we're five hours in front of, of the East Coast over there. So, NXT finished, I think, around about half past two quarter to 3 a.m. over here and not long after that it, it became apparent that Karen Cross had suffered a was it a separated shoulder uh yeah I believe it was uh, uh something in the shoulder yeah and there was there was rumors abound could he carry on could he hold the title until the next pay-per-view could he would he have to be you know drop the title would it be stripped Wednesday came and went and as you said he um he had to relinquish the title yeah, which uh, uh, is is truly unfortunate given the the monster push we've seen him get in the last few months. Uh, it really seems like he could lose uh, quite a lot of momentum in in the time that he'll be out with his injury. But I must say, uh, I'm kind of surprised that Keith Lee lost the title so soon after winning it. I thought that Keith Lee was going to have a reign at least comparable to say uh, Ron Simmons or Ron Killings. I thought we would have like a uh, he'd be he'd be champion for a couple months and then he'd lose it maybe maybe war games maybe get into a, a feud with Cross and then carry that through until he finally debuted next year but that was not in the, that was not in the plans. Well, we all said last week we did not see Keith losing that that match at all, and they swerved us. <laughs> they absolutely swerved us, and Carrion uh, picked up the title in in like. The, the shortest time ever from a from a debut to a championship victory and then add on to the fact that Keith Lee held the title for the second shortest reign in, in NXT history it's it's a it's a sad ending to Carrion's first title run but with the the promo that he cut on that that last Wednesday that was amazing I mean you 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 are literally waiting for him to come back and just decimate whoever is the title holder by then yeah, really. Uh, uh, he's a guy who has who's very intimidating and and will be uh, a force to be reckoned with once he gets back. But it's just uh, uh, truly unfortunate that that he wasn't able to to go into that 
that monster champion run. I was waiting for, as you said, that that monster long decimation of the of the entire roster. What, what did he call it? Doomsday. He uh, he referenced it in his in his promo Wednesday that Doomsday hadn't actually begun yet. So that was a nice callback. But he will, as you said, he will come back stronger, fitter, and just ready to take on anyone and everyone to get his title back. Which then leads us on to the announcement at the end of the show from William Regal. Yes, uh, the NXT Championship will be up for grabs in a fatal four-way Iron Man match to be contested between Johnny Gargano, Adam Cole, Finn Balor, and the returning Tommaso Ciampa. Uh, <sighs> that's amazing. That's that's a, for, I, mean, I mean, NXT is on Tuesday next week, isn't it? Is it? Yeah, I'm sure they said it was a Super Tuesday show. I'm not be preempted uh, because of NBA games or, or something along those lines. Being a Brit, I, I'm not too sure how that works, but I'm sure I saw that it was next Tuesday. And, I mean, for half of your show, you're going to have a main event. That's... I mean, I'm a fan of Iron Man matches. I'm a fan of... Ah, I love back. Iron Man matches as well. That uh, the, the classic between uh, Bret Hart and Shawn Michaels, uh, one of the greats yeah. of all time. I've I've mentioned a lot of Iron Man matches since since we started recording the podcast. <laughs> Do you think they're actually listening to us and have they taken on board what you've what you've been saying? Uh, you know, and and maybe that's the reason they've gone for this this fatal four way Iron Man match, which is something that that's kind of new and exciting, but also feels like the apotheosis of a thing that they were doing. I want to say late two thousand eight uh, with the championship scramble matches. Do you remember those? I do remember them. Yeah, yeah. Uh, usually on SmackDown. Yeah, it, yeah. It was it was usually a SmackDown. Well, there was one pay per view where it was like it seemed like like every championship was in a, a scramble match. I remember that. Yes. Yeah. Great memory. Uh, this this fatal four way Iron Man match seems like like what championship scramble should have been. Um, for those of you who don't remember championship scramble match, the championship scramble match was I, I think it was five maybe six men in a match. And there was a time limit, and whoever had scored the most recent pinfall within that time limit would walk out the champion, which provided some interesting moments. For a while, it looked like Brian Kendrick might have been WWE champion. Uh, But overall, I think that was just a confusing mess, whereas this this Fatal 4-Way Iron Man match concept uh, uh, makes a lot more sense and, and will be an interesting thing to see. This is, I mean, the caliber of, of competitor involved in this match, all obviously former champions, all, to be fair, are on top of the game right now. I mean, Adam Cole, uh, uh, the, as of recording, the PWI Top 100, or Top 500, sorry, Wrestlers was, was released this morning, I think it was, or maybe even yesterday. And Adam Cole, in my eyes, should have been number one. He's had match after match after match. that was not only just, just stellar, but just... just so damn good and nothing against john moxley who who is the pwi's number one but he hasn't wrestled half as much as adam cole and adam cole's just had an amazing matches all the way as i said all the way through this past like year throw into the mix you have tomaso chamba who is the champion who never actually lost his title he had to relinquish it who came back wednesday just gone on the most recent episode of nxt and has come back with um a possible heel kind of feel to him um i'm not too sure if he's 100 percent healed yet or not um it's gonna be very strange if he, if he is because the whole match would be three heels and one tweener which we'll get to in a minute then we have johnny gargano gargano even 
who has reinvented himself a la Chris Jericho into this obnoxious heel with his wife uh, Candice and again he can have he can pull matches out of his ass to be fair mm-hmm. and then and then we have like the, the last competitor is Finn, Finn Bloody Bella who we all expected him to be thrust into the, the title situation as soon as he came back to NXT and has been kept away and then due to circumstances and this this concept has been pushed in and he's my pick he is my pick <laughs> Uh, you know what? He's kind of my, he's my picks as well. Cause, uh, um, you, you talk about the caliber of these competitors and, and I agree with you 110%. These guys are, are like the, the absolute top of NXT. But at the same time, it feels like they've been to the top of NXT for years now. While it's, it's, it's an absolutely great match, but it also kind of feels like the NXT main event holding pattern in that. Yeah. Whenever, yeah, whenever something goes wrong, they can turn back to to these three, four guys, and be sure to have an absolute barn burner. Do you do you think they've made a mistake in bringing up Keith Lee to to Raw and just completely bypassing his his rematch clause, yes. which I would imagine he would have had? Yes, I do. I like I said uh, last week, I thought that Keith Lee's championship reign, especially in the the uh, uh, the zeitgeist, I guess, as as he'd come into the kind of uh, um, uh, social like context with with the the issues with race relations in America, having Keith Lee as as world champion was or not world as NXT champion, I should say, was a statement, and it gave him a platform with which to to do something, and and I think that it ended so soon was kind of was kind of the most shocking thing. And I think if that's what they intended, if that if that was something they set up entirely to put over carrying cross, then well congratulations, you got you got yourself a monster now. But um yeah, I think I think there was there was more to be done with Keith Lee's championship reign. 100% with you there. It's, it feels like that that Vince or or the higher-ups in in WWE saw the decline in ratings for Raw and SmackDown, saw that Keith Lee was was, and still is a big thing on NXT, and was like, right, if we bring him up, maybe ratings will pop. I brought him up, changed his theme music, changed his look, not made him the person that he was on NXT, Mm -hmm. and ratings will pop. It's, it's, It's a waste. He should have at least... I remember times where when Asuka lost the NXT title and she she at least had a rematch. Bailey as well, um, Finn before he came up, mm-hmm. they all had their rematches before they had their swan song match, so to speak, before they all came up to to obviously um, Raw and SmackDown. And it's a shame that that Keith can't do that. Whether or not he will go back to NXT hasn't been said at, at this time. But not including him in in this four way is a complete and utter slap in the face. Exactly. Uh, like I'm still, ha- I, if he were to replace Finn just uh, as a as a surprise on what, next Wednesday, that would be absolutely fantastic, and I would instantly change my my pick to uh, for who to win to him. But e- even at that point, I think I think the 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 writing's on the wall. He's he's coming up and. He's, he might be the victim of, of Vince McMahon's creative like like so many other NXT call-ups have been. Vince McMahon's creative in the past five years has been spot on, so who are we to disagree with that, hey? Uh, he, 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 he did invent wrestling. He did invent wrestling. There was no wrestling until Vince McMahon invented wrestling in 1981 in the state of New York, blah, 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 whatever. 
it's it's just a shame that Keith Lee has has, has just been overlooked, so to speak, and brought up to pop the ratings. But it is what it is, and to be fair, I'm really looking forward to that four way. Um, it is going to be on at silly o'clock over here in the UK. And even though I do have work the next morning, I will be actually getting up and watching it somehow. By hook or by crook, I'll be watching this match because it is, apart from the Boneyard match, this match has, has grabbed me the most this year. So I will be going out of my way to try and find that before I end up going to work and seeing spoilers all over the internet. Mm-hmm. Yeah, uh, yeah, absolutely stacked match. Nothing else, as, as far as I know, nothing else has been announced for that show. Being uh, as it's only a two, oh, oh, what have you heard? What have you heard? I actually haven't heard anything. Oh, <laughs> the way you cut me off, I was like, oh, no inside scoop, but damn it. <laughs> I, I'm but, sorry, yeah. I'll be quiet now. <laughs> it's, um, yeah, that's the only thing announced. And as I said, that takes up half the show at least because obviously entrances and everything else that uh, goes on, yeah, it's going to be. Pageantry, thank you. That's the word I'm looking for. That's, um, it's it's going to be a, a, a stacked show on Tuesday. So, um, Get yourselves out there, watch that show, and watch us be completely wrong, like we have been quite a lot since this podcast started about our picks. We've both chosen Finn Balor, and it could be option E, um, the Berserker. We don't, we don't know. We, we're not sure. <laughs> oh, man. Uh, you have no idea how big a fan of the Berserker I am. Uh, really? No, no, I'm, I'm joking. <laughs> oh man, you should have carried that on. That'd be brilliant. Oh. <laughs> so, from NXT, we will hop over to the other side, so to speak, and we'll talk about a new TNT champion. So, last Wednesday on Dynamite, Mr. Brody Lee pinned and demolished Cody to win and capture the uh, TNT championship, and writing off Cody from TV by the sound of it. Yeah, uh, I have it in my notes. It was the biggest surprise this week. And I shouldn't say that it's quite the biggest surprise in and of itself. I think the biggest surprise is kind of kind of how it went down. Because yeah. while I was watching that match, all I could think was something's up with Cody. He didn't seem to be in the right headspace. Like, he didn't get a lot of offense in. He didn't seem to be, have, have that ring awareness that he usually has. It kind of kind of brings me back to to uh, memories of that Lesnar Cena match at at SummerSlam 2014, the the birth of Suplex City. Um, just because in that match, Cena just seemed so disoriented and and like he wasn't all there, um, which makes me wonder: is there some bigger storyline going on here between Brody Lee and the Dark Order and Cody Rhodes? Well, I, as you said, as you said there. You, you spoke about Lesnar and, and Cena. If it wasn't for Lesnar, sorry, if it wasn't for Cena even, Lesnar wouldn't birth Suplex City and go on for like how long a six-year run as this dominant badass mm-hmm. who rolled over everyone. Fast forward to 2020, and you see Brody Lee dominate Cody, admittedly with the Dark Order right behind him, but he, he dominated him in a way that, as you said, we haven't seen before. Cody's been this confident champion who's always been fighting as a confident champion. He, he never looked like he was going to lose. As you watch him, you think, no, nope, no, nope, Cody's got this. Mm-hmm. Cody, as you said, Cody didn't look himself. You knew something was, was wrong. Something was up. And then seeing Brody Lee just demolish him piece by piece, could that be booking, a booking decision to make Brody Lee the next huge, uh, huge you know, you know, heel stable going on with the Dark Order, with the inner circle not as as dominant as what they were when when Jericho was champion. I I do actually. I think 
I think, though, however, that Brody Lee has gotten... I think that Brody Lee and the Dark Order did something to Cody beforehand. I am suggesting that, for entirely storyline, that uh, uh, Brody Lee and the Dark Order potentially drugged Cody before the match started. And I say that because it seems suspicious that afterwards, uh, when when Brody brings out the rest of, of the Nightmare family, it seemed kind of suspicious that, that Dustin Rhodes and QT Marshall had already been beaten up. So what I'm thinking is that Mr. Brody Lee orchestrated a big win for himself to, to bolster confidence within the Dark Order, and that this is the slower storytelling of the Dark Order beginning to pay off. I hope he's true, because how, many, how long have, have, have people, internet smart marks, have said, oh, Dark Order, useless, they were great, all this build-up to this great big reveal, we wanted Matt Hardy, we've got Brody Lee, blah, 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 blah. If this was the plan all along, fair bloody play to AEW. Fair play to Tony Khan and the rest of the boys for thinking this far ahead. Obviously, COVID's had a part to play, mm-hmm. and they've had to work on the fly, much like every other promotion in the world. But if, if this is how it's 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 worked out, fair play, stand up, applause, round of applause, tip my hat, well done. Truly, because I remember uh, uh, in those early days of Dynamite, when when uh, there was all those ads for, for the Dark Order website, I joined the mailing list for Dark Order. <laughs> and I was so excited that I was going to be I was going to be first to find out about new new things that were happening in the Dark Order. And they sent me like one message and it was just a video hyping a thing that was going to happen the next week on Dynamite. So that was seemed to me like an example of of a booking opportunity that that they kind of blew. <laughs> and now and now they've course corrected in such a fan, phenomenal way. I think I think Brody Lee is is far more convincing as a cult leader than Bray Wyatt was. Oh, that's a strong statement. Because because while Bray Wyatt was great at talking in riddles and and making things sound very very metaphysical and 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 spiritual, I think Brody Lee promising results and getting those results, even if like I said, he he probably had to orchestrate it for himself, uh, really speaks to his capacity to run a cult compared to Bray Wyatt. You've got a fair point there. As you said, cult in the cult leader stakes, Bray talked a good game and could never back it up. Whereas Brody Lee has, has talked a, a medium, a fair game. Uh, a and moderate backed it up. game. Mm-hmm. Moderate game. And has completely backed it up. So yeah, you've, you've got some, you've got some definitely warrant some, uh, some, uh, some gold stars there, but where you know how long's Cody off TV? How long is so? That's that's the thing is that we don't have uh, the exact uh, numbers for how long he's going to be away. If I'm remembering correctly, it's because he's doing he's working on a project with with Stephen Amell, uh, who who uh, was was there at the first All In. So yeah, him and Cody are, are very tight, and I think that's going to be one two months at 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 the at the least. Well, say. Say eight weeks of, of Brody Lee as, as TNT champ. Is he going to run through people in a, in a dominant way? Is he going to run through them with outside help? Is I, it going to be? I think he's going to run through people. I don't think he's going to be running through those people for the championship. As he said this week on Dynamite, the the Open Championship is or the Open Challenge is uh, is no more. Yeah. Yeah. So so um, it's going to be a lot of non-title matches and. We'll see how he does. Hopefully, he he carries on uh, winning because he's got a he's got a 
deliver in ways that Bray Wyatt didn't. Exactly. Unfortunately for him, that's how people are going to, to judge this. He is, a, a, in inverted commas, a Bray Wyatt disciple. Mm-hmm. Even though it's a completely different company and a completely different character, he, he would still be seen as a Bray Wyatt disciple. So whether or not he can, he can pull this off better, first things first, he's got a championship, which is what, a lot more than what Bray Wyatt did in, when he was the cult leader days. So that's, that's a major tick in, in his boxes there. Can he, can he, can he sustain it? Yeah, we'll see, I suppose. As you said, there, there, I can't, there will, there's been no matches, like championship matches announced going forward, unlike Cody, who was the epitome of the fighting champion. He could be just holding off, doing non-titles, or maybe he's going to, surely the title will be on, on the line come all out when's that's a week tomorrow, mm-hmm. according to, uh, to recording. Who, any ideas who could that be? I've seen a few names online that that could. I don't. I don't know if you've seen them. You've got um, a lot of people are saying that Lance Archer should get another look. But personally, looking two monster heels against each other, two big monster heels yeah, against each other. Like that, it, there's only there's the yeah, there's only there, there's only losses in that one. Yeah, I I would like to see Matt Cardona. That was my uh, next choice because. Like I said, yeah, him and Cody are, are are very close, and I think that it would be uh, the kind of thing that Matt Cardona would want to uh, avenge. But if I remember correctly, he's involved in a match against the Dark Order next week. Yeah, uh, him and some of the Nightmare family. You know, I don't want to slow this thing down too much. I'm just gonna say that with confidence <laughs> and hope and hope I'm not wrong. So he has he's involved in a tag match next week with the members of the Dark Order. Mm-hmm. That will obviously be a lead in, hopefully, Touchwood and everything else would be a lead into his match uh, against Brody Lee at all out next Saturday. By along all with, accounts, by all, sorry, by all accounts, he's he's not signed a long term deal. Is, is it is it a four or a five date deal, Matt Cardona? I I believe so. Kind of a um, a short term deal at the moment. Uh, we might have him sign a contract like FTR did in yeah. in a few uh, in a few weeks' time. So you never know. Even though the people are, are out there saying, "Oh no, Matt hasn't signed a deal. It's going to be a waste of a match." You never know. Nobody knows what happens behind closed doors nowadays. The amount of times that we've been swerved by Uncle Vince, by people in AEW in the, the last times, twelve months, the number of times we've been swerved since last week. <laughs> I try not to bring that up. It makes us look bad, dude. But yeah, you're right. It's it. It could be. I can't see him. I can't him as in as in Brody Lee pronouns. I can't see him lo- uh, Brody Lee losing this soon. But to get a decent match from Matt Cardona, who to be fair is a great wrestler, oh, he was yeah. completely underused in in WWE, and he could get a great match out of anybody. And, so, and I think especially considering that he's not going to be, Brody Lee is not going to be doing the TNT Championship Open Challenge. I think this opens the door for perhaps uh, uh, the first real feud over that belt. Yes, yes, most most definitely. And then, you know, as we said, behind closed doors, Matt signed that deal and we could see a, a two-month, three-month feud and then bring Cody back to maybe help him win, win the big one or the second big one in that company. Exactly. So... Yeah. Good stuff. Good stuff. Yeah. With AEW done, we have a few things to go on this week. Now, as I said at the beginning of the show, our head honcho, Mark Madison, is away on assignment on Pro Wrestling Post Business. So this week, yourself, Mark, are going to talk about the things that we have upcoming. Uh, I'm Pete. Uh, 
Mark's away. <laughs> Don't die. Uh, so, uh, we have a a, uh, a an AEW talent preview brought to us by Jake Landmesser about uh, Anna Jay, the star of the show. Very young talent. She's only she's only about twenty two. Started working in the independence in Georgia. Uh, debuted in Georgia Premier Wrestling. Trained by by Glacier, a guy who has always been very technically gifted, but has always been saddled with being being with being the guy who who had that gimmick. Yeah, we have Glacier was one of my guilty pleasures. We being over here in the UK, we didn't get WCW that often, and. When I actually got back, got around to watching WCW, seeing Glacier come out, I think I was about a year behind over here in the UK. Seeing him come out in his his Mortal Kombat kind of gimmick, it was like, wow, this is really good. And the guy, as you said, was technically proficient. So seeing him and some of his trainees come through, this is looking good. Yeah, yeah, it's, and he was uh, uh, he's been involved in in AEW, and it and it seems uh, maybe that's why we have his one of his trainees, perhaps perhaps his biggest trainee so far, Anna J. Uh, with AEW, but yeah, we have a a retrospective of of her career and her rivals or her rivalry with Thunder Blonde and a whole bunch of stuff that she did for Georgia Premier Wrestling before she came to AEW. Uh, you, you, it was just it was just a well written piece. It was it, our our talent previews or indie spotlights or anything along those lines. Our 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 boys and girls they they really they really dig deep. And and try and find out all the the little bits of information that maybe you don't know, and it, it really comes across on on this talent preview. So yeah, well done there. Yeah, it's these are these are all really good. If you're new to AEW and want to know uh, exactly who all of these all these people are, all these talented individuals. Next, we have a piece that I wrote. As we know, 26 years ago this Thursday was the day that Shane Douglas threw down the NWA World Heavyweight Championship and kickstarted the birth of ECW as we understand it today. In that title, much better and a lot sooner, a lot older, sorry, than uh, Medusa did. Yes, perhaps the first to really to really throw down a competitor. Well, they're not really a competitor. Uh, uh, Eastern Championship Wrestling was was an NWA affiliate at the time, but it was one of those great moments of of kind of breaking free of this this uh, uh, history that that. They seemed to be. They felt. They felt chained to, and and really the the push to create something new, something more, and uh, it was a really really great experience going back and seeing uh, some of those early ECW matches when you have some of the greats in the industry: Chris Benoit, Dean Malenko, Shane Douglas, Two Cold Scorpio. Uh, those early ECW days are really illustrative of what they were coming from, and also what they would start to to morph into before their their time unfortunately came in 2001 being being the guy on the site that's that's reviewing some old retro views of ecw uh, events this has been absolutely fantastic for me because i've gone back and, and, and read this even though i've read about as much as anybody can and and, and you've seen the promo and everything you've even seen the matches just seeing a brand new take 26 years later is it's great as you said it birthed ecw 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 even oh my god and it was it was it was just a moment in time that can never be replicated that's that birthed the 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 third promotion in america at the time and the shockwaves it sent through nwa kind of led to its down downfall 
Uh, yeah, those were some. Uh, uh, we we even cover a little bit of the aftermath of of uh, Shane Douglas throwing down the the NWA World Heavyweight Championship. Um, Hasin is the re- the reason why we didn't see the NWA Championship on national television again for al- almost a decade after that event when we came to when it came time for TNA to get their their TV deal. But yeah, on the stay piece that came out on the site this week, I invite everybody to check it out and along with all of our other on this day pieces uh which come fairly regularly as a site to to get out a, 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 an on this day piece at least two three four times a week and as you said they're all brilliantly brilliantly written they are fantastic to read and again strap line we just don't entertain we educate so get yourself over there over to the site at prowrestlingpost.com and give them a read so, going back to some news this week, we have a certain return at SummerSlam. The SummerSlam we previewed in depth last week. We did. We did. <laughs> and I, I tried not to look at the, the count of uh, who picked who because I gave up after about three. It was, it was like zero and three at some point. I was like, no, I'll give up now. Anyway, somebody returned, which we didn't actually call. And are you happy? Are you sad? Are you indifferent, John? Uh, I'm Pete. Oh, yep. <laughs> Not not used to having just the one other co-host, are we? Um, I'm, I'm so sorry. It's fine. I'm uh, uh, I'm I'm actually kind of excited for this Roman Reigns return. Congratulations, Roman! Welcome back to the main event picture that was built because of your absence. But I think that ultimately gives him kind of the the that that fire that he needs to to really bring out the heel in him, uh, which which we think is is what's going on right now, because you know he just showed up. He he showed up. He he just absolutely unleashed on both Bray Wyatt and Braun Strowman. And uh, I like to I like to just comment on his sh- the shirt he was wearing. Uh, do you remember the 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 uh, catchphrase on his shirt, Mark? Yeah. Said uh, it was it was wreck everyone and leave. Yeah. Which uh, echoes back to that uh, Steve Stone Cold Steve Austin shirt. Uh, the the arrive raise hell leave. That's the one. That's the one. Is is that try where they're trying to go with Roman Reigns uh, in, in this oh God. in this new in this new persona? You think? I I sincerely hope not, because if they're going to try and push him as the new Stone Cold, he's going to fall flat on his ass. I'm afraid. I've had so many people ask me whether or not Reigns is heel. I had so many on after SummerSlam, people were were private messaging me on WhatsApp and Facebook saying, "Is it like I'm some all-knowing sage?" Even though I was completely crap with my picks that night, that they, they was it's a heel. It's coming. It's the decimated the pair of them with a steel chair. Does that mean a heel? No. Why? It means that he's back. He's come back to stake a claim to show everyone that he's back and he doesn't mess about. He means business. Yeah, I mean, it seems it seems like like kind of it seems kind of like a, like a heel thing to do. But at the same time, you know, we've seen we've seen uh, uh, returns like that before. Like, like I mentioned earlier, Stone Cold Steve Austin that night he returned to help mankind with the championship. Yeah, he just showed up, hit the rock with a chair. I guess, I guess, really, the act of hitting someone with a chair in itself isn't what determines who's face and who's heel, but rather who is doing the hitting and who is taking that hit. And even then, I think that still leaves things very vague as to where Roman stands at the moment. And I think the fact is that we've seen too little to say for certain either way. 
it's Baxter. He's now booked for this Sunday's pay-per-view payback in a, a freeway against two heels. That should show people that were a bit indifferent and are a bit, I'm not sure. That should show them that he is the face. He's he's not the face to run the place, but he is back. And, you know, what he like, as I said, what he did on, on at SummerSlam was to just reassert himself in the main event scene and yeah, via the in, uh, in a via, dominant via a chair. Yeah, in a dominant way, yeah. What are we expecting from this from this run? I don't want him to win. As 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 much as Vince will want him to come back and and the, the all conquering hero pick up the title and carry on into the future, this COVID area, I don't want him to win because then once again Bray gets shafted. And how many times is that guy going to get shafted before he just goes up yours? I'm off to AEW or up yours? I'm off to the Indies. Yeah, really. I mean, I mean, how many? How many losses is he going to take to Roman Reigns before before it really becomes clear that even with this new exciting, well, not not really new anymore, but even with this exciting new persona, who who is able to get those results, who is able to do uh, interesting things like that, that Firefly Funhouse match at Mania, he's still just another guy who's supposed to who's supposed to lose to to conquering babyface Roman Reigns. He's not just a conquering babyface, is he? He's a conquering babyface with amazing teeth. Did you see the? Uh, did you see the the, uh, the Instagram spat between him and uh, Randy Orton? I, I did not. <laughs> so, so Reigns posted a picture of himself um, at the end of SummerSlam holding the Universal Championship aloft. I'm back. This is my art, or you know, I'm paraphrasing there. And Randy Orton was like, "Yeah, you know, fantastic. You're back. Well done." And he posted the same picture, but alongside a picture of a horse that was smiling, with the whitest teeth I've ever seen. Do you do, do you watch Friends? Does anyone here that listen to us watch Friends? There was an episode of Friends where Ross bleached his teeth, and they were so bright that they lit up under black light. That's kind of like where Roman Reigns' teeth is at the moment. It, surely it's going to die down, but I think he must have bleached it on the day of, the day of the event. And Roman Reigns and and Randy just went at it a little bit on Twitter and, and, and Instagram over his teeth rather than what actually happened that night, which took away from the beating that he gave the boys. But but yeah, I, as I said, I, don't, I personally don't want him to win. Whatever he does, I don't know. I'm not too sure where, where Uncle Vince's head at where he's what's best for business brother and all that kind of stuff. What about you? Where'd where'd you see that going? I am privy to a little bit of backstage knowledge, uh, which which mind you, it's, it's a little bit old now, but I remember hearing from back when reigns, uh, was still sitting out due to, due to COVID Vince McMahon's opinion of him was going back and forth wildly. Yeah, there was a while there where where nobody even even mentioned Roman Reigns was was supposed to, was booked at WrestleMania. And so that nobody was talking uh, uh, about him in his absence kind of kind of illustrated that, you know, maybe maybe Reigns had had taken too many liberties with with the kind of lenience that Vince was going to to allow him and that was kind of being playing out uh, in his absence. Uh, I think this is going to be similar to the situation uh, shortly after Reigns tested positive for performance-enhancing substances, where he's going to take this loss, but it's not going to mean that much in the long run to him. Yeah, yeah, totally agree. 
there's for him to come back with so much time off grabbing the big one he'll be under so much heat and you know it wouldn't even be his fault it would come from above but he'll have so much heat that it's, it's as you said it's just best for him to take the loss and then within the next eight weeks i would imagine maybe even as far as a survivor series he'll mm. pick up that tile and then he'll he'll be off off and running once and, again like nothing's changed yeah and even if it's not the big one he'll have a couple months as U.S. champion, it'll be a dominant run, or not in U.S. champion, I guess Intercontinental champion, it'll have a dominant run there, and then he'll come back to the main event scene. As much as, as that sucks, <laughs> because I'm 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 a firm believer of pain of Jews, and admittedly, he, he you know he did the right thing. He's got newborn twins; he had to stay away. But that doesn't mean you come back in and insert yourself in the main event scene. This is not 1988. This is not Hogan going off to to film a, a film or a TV show, and then come back and, and challenge straight away for the title. Things have, things have moved on, and it, it just sucks that that's happening. I can see why it's happening, because Vince still sees him as a standard bearer, as the face. It's it's just one of those things. I hope it's not. It probably end up being true. Yeah, I'm, I'm, hoping, I'm hoping that, that this comes out more, more equitably for all sides. But we'll, we'll have to wait and see. We will have to wait and see on tenterhooks. Well, some on tenterhooks anyway. So going on to you, our our Impact Wrestling specialist, um, Pablo, you have been um, been watching Impact Emergence Night 2 last week? I did. Uh, I did a big... Actually, I'll get, I'll get to that when, when that time comes. Let's just start with uh, the events that, that took place at Emergence. Opening match: Eddie Edwards versus Rob Van Dam for the for as part of uh, Eddie Edwards Impact World Championship Open Challenge. What do you what do you think of the Open Challenge for a, for a world title? We've seen it a few times on the secondary titles, and you know maybe even tag titles, but never for the for the main championship. What what do you think of that? Is that making Impact stand out from the rest? Do you think not particularly? I I don't think it's making Impact stand out. I think it's making up for the fact that the world championship was was not on tv for so very long while tessa blanchard was in was uh, ostensibly stuck in mexico and so to kind of have that world championship as the the prize for the open challenge kind of kind of uh makes up for any prestige that would have been lost in that championship not being on tv do you think it is going to carry that forward as you know like cody and, and cena before is he going to be not every week, but you know, every time he's out there, he's going to offer offer people out and say, "Do you want this? Come get some kind of thing." Yeah, I, I do, and and it's because he he promised to be a fighting champion, and he has mm-hmm. to he has to to carry that word. However, because it is an open challenge, I don't think it's going to be a particularly long run because that's that's kind of the thing that that you uh, open yourself up oh, to with an open obviously, challenge. Yeah, so with RVD coming a bit short, spoilers, folks. With uh, coming a bit short this this past week, who do you see on the horizon? Is there anyone there that could step up? It it genuinely looks like it's going to be Eric Young next week. <laughs> he he pretty much he pretty much said as much after the match, and and which is interesting because as you said last week, they probably they weren't going to do that as a match on on free TV. So I guess a sidebar prediction for that match: uh, non finish. I don't think they're going to give away that a finish to that match on free TV. That will be that will be a, a, a feud that 
it gave us pace over a good few few weeks, maybe a month, maybe two months, and then it will finish up on a, on a pay per view. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. However, uh, uh, to just speak on on the match itself for a little bit, very slow, kind of boring match, even given uh, Rob Van Dam's advancing age, really really comes across as uh, a, a curtain jerker that dreamed of the stars. <laughs> yeah, like Rob Van Dam really didn't seem to get out of first gear at all during that match. It was really just him relying on on Katie Forbes to get involved and cause occasional distractions. Uh, really not a good look for either man in this match. I'm glad I'm not the only one that thought that because I sat there and obviously the show kicked off and you know the big reveal of RVD answering the challenge. You're thinking, oh wow, okay, you know they're they're gonna have a really good fast fast paced match to get you know I would say the crowd going, but you know the crowd at home going and just fell flat. And I, I was at home. Fe- I was feeling guilty for feeling uh, for thinking that. So I'm, I'm personally, I'm glad that I'm not the only one that thought that. Yeah, like like we we should have expected better from both men, but it looks like this is just going to be a stepping stone for for Eddie Edwards to get to his match with with Eric Young. Yeah. yeah. Um, however, I I will say that I am relieved that he finally got an open challenge response from from one of the ECW originals. Because because while he was doing this this open challenge, I kept thinking, you know, when is when is it going to be like Tommy Dreamer or or Rob Van Dam stepping up next? ECW guy, I I love both guys. I'm a huge Tommy Dreamer guy. I've met I've met him once. I've had a ten minute chat with him about anything but wrestling. Uh, I bought a hoodie from him, which I had to explain to someone, i.e. my wife, that it was a raffle win because it was bloody expensive. But that's a story for another time. But he he is so cool tommy dreamer is so cool and i wouldn't want to see him in the main event picture i'm sorry and by sound of it he wants he's he's going after um probably in AEW from his tweets that he's got out is he uh is he still uh uh involved in in AEW? um i i haven't heard or seen anything about it and obviously he's still got his house of hardcore which is on hiatus like everything else at the moment so he may be going chasing Brody Lee in, in, in you've, you've hurt Cody. He's one of my friends. F you. Mm-hmm. But we, we, we will see. We will see. Yeah, uh, I suppose we will. On the subject of Tommy Dreamer, uh, he was on Wrestle House this week. He was, yes. And and I got to say that I am really starting to appreciate Wrestle House for what it is, uh, which is like it's 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 enjoyably goofy. I mean, and when it's bad, you can kind of—it's the kind of bad that you can kind of groove on, like yeah. uh, like if you've ever watched uh, like a, a movie that's on TV late at night, you can kind of you can kind of start to groove on on the bad bits, and and I think it's really just a good way to keep uh, Skyway Studios from getting too crowded while also keeping those people on TV. Yeah, you're right. It's 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 a great way. I'm not sure if they if they follows. Oh man, is it the the Joshi? version of wrestle house or, or what is what was it called over there and um are they, are they trying to follow that that kind of template over here and uh, as you said we've, we've I'm, sorry? I'm actually i'm actually not familiar with what you're talking about there's there was a, a reality show over in japan i'm not sure which promotion it was i want to say it was a joshi promotion but i'm not again not sure which one it was that had a a wrestle house kind of feel to it um, it ended in tragedy, which we're not going to get into now. Oh, uh, Terrace House. Uh, that's the one, that, Terrace that, House. I, I don't think that was a pro wrestling thing. It was just that a pro wrestler was on it. Uh, I, know, I know that there's been pro wrestlers on it before. Okay. 
and uh, sorry, that's obviously crossed wires. But going going down that route and and with the with the change in the climate, with COVID and everything else, as you said, keeping a bare minimum in the in the arena, so to speak. But Wrestle House works if you can view it the way that you've just said in in that kind of ah, you know, that was fun five minutes, that was goofy, that was great. If you if you go in there as a pure wrestling fan, blinkered, I want wrestling, I want twenty minute five star matches, you're yeah. gonna be really disappointed. Very disappointed if that's what you're hoping for. Uh, just because, uh, and and you can kind of get a sense of that just from the mix of people who are involved. Yes, <laughs> uh, you know, I don't think I don't think your wrestling aficionados are going to be expecting any master classes from from Crazy Steve or 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 Larry D. But yeah, it's as you said, it is what it is. It's fun. It, it's a segment. It it moves moves the show on from a from a a, a lackluster opening match going into that. It kind of raises your spirits again. So it, it did its job. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and we had two big wins for well, not big wins, two wins for for Crazy Steve in the Russell House over Johnny Swinger, and oh, now I'm the one who's looking unprofessional. Never, never let that mantle fall on me. It's 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 me. It's fine. I, I will take the unprofessionalism with a pinch of salt and a large dose of tequila. I've I've since forgotten. Uh, That's cool. Moving on. <laughs> We had uh, Willie Mack versus Brian Myers. A really good, really well-paced match. Uh, I got to ask, why didn't that open the show? I th- you, you, you're scratching your head, really, aren't you? As you said, why, why didn't that open the show rather than the lackluster World Championship match? It's- not, which is not to say necessarily that it would have changed the quality of that, of that opening match between Eddie Edwards and Rob Van Dam, but it definitely would have made that opening yeah. less hard to get through. Yeah, if if you're if you're a a average fan, you know, a casual fan, just happen to tune in, and that's the first thing you see. Personally, I would have tuned straight back out again. Yeah, but exactly. But if you, as you said, if you swap the swap them around, and had the 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 Myers and Mac patch, you would have gone, oh wow, that was exciting, that was good. What's next? Yeah, and then they could have been disappointed by the Eddie Edwards and RVD match, but <laughs> you know, they would have stuck through the whole show because that's just exactly. one clunker. Um, yeah. The the match itself, like the 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 concept of the match, seemed kind of slapdash because they it was a match that they only scheduled the week before, and and it really seemed like like night two was kind of just a formality. Like this was, Fortunately, yeah, yeah, you're right. As you said, I think it was two weeks ago. You you've overloaded night one, and night two is always going to be uh, not as good as night one, and it, and unfortunately it showed. Mm-hmm. Yeah, spoilers for for my my overall review. Yeah, uh, um, I'm glad that that Myers got his win. I think he really needed that win after after his uh, debut in the in the Open Challenge. And uh, yeah, I'm hoping I'm hoping he gets more momentum moving forward. Well, he's he's playing the sneaky heel. I mean, he he grabbed he grabbed the yeah. win by um by it's by a sneaky handful of tights, sneaky ways, handful of tights. So yeah. You know he's he's off and running now. He's at the races. So let's get the momentum going. And Willie Mack is 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 Willie Mack. He 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 can take the loss. Yeah. He's he's a super dude. So he's a crack he's on. a big he's a big man who can move. And 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 us wrestling fans, that's just a thing we can't get enough of. Yes. After that, we had uh, EC3 explaining his motivations for stealing the TNA World Heavyweight Championship. And I was actually really into this spot. I think this is when. EC3's character went from simply interesting to actually quite compelling. 
and 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 I think that's just because he or uh, that's that a, a major part of that I should say is because he doesn't seem like he wants to wrestle Moose for the championship, uh, and in fact he's interested in in taking this angle that kind of sets them both free of of the yoke of their their runs in TNA. It was it was a very clever promo, as you said. It 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 deviated from where you think it was going to go, and, and yeah. Yeah, you, you, you bang on. Uh, yeah, uh, if the, for those who aren't aware, uh, EC3 has been trying to to take control of the the story of his life, as it were. And you know, you have this story where he he leaves TNA at, when he was one of of the top contenders in the promotion to go to to WWE, where he does much and nothing in NXT, and then he gets called up to the main roster and does much and nothing. So he's kind of a, a two-time WWE and, and I guess a two-time NXT dropout. And so yeah. he is he is on this mission to prove that his his TNA run doesn't define him and neither do That's a fair way, yeah. That's a fair way of looking at it. And and neither do does his does his uh lack of success in WWE. And I think he's trying. He's trying to, like he said, he he said in his promo that when he was TNA World Heavyweight Champion, when when he won for the first time, was the last time he was truly happy. And so, to move on, to find new happiness, he has to destroy that belt. Uh, storytelling, simple storytelling. Yeah, in my mind, simple. simple but compelling storytelling. And yeah. I think whether. Whether this starts a feud between EC3 and Moose, who has been very protective of of the TNA World Heavyweight Championship, even though it's not recognized by by Impact Wrestling, I think that whether it's a feud, a feud, whether it's an alliance, that's really good because the story overall is a is about moving on, and I think that that that's going to be a very interesting a very interesting angle that I'm that I'm very excited to see play out. I asked I asked last week and said, unless they can give us a reason to get behind or boo EC3, he's going to lose momentum pretty quick. And lo and behold, a week later, he's expanded on, on what his, his, his MO is, what he's going to do. And as you said, I'm, I'm gripped. I am hooked. I am all in on this. It makes perfect sense. Yeah. More, more, more. That's, that's what I'm saying. Work, work your way up and then, you know, Eddie Edwards maybe down the line or, or you know, in Eric Young, whoever. It's as I said, I'm all in. This is this is great storytelling. Truly. Well well done for impacts for really throwing off the yoke of, of their their TNA history. Yes, yeah. Embracing it and, and throwing it away at the same time. It's <laughs> uh it's something that WWE should look at and maybe do every once in a while. You know, us fans do it. Why can't they do it? Yeah, I mean, we can acknowledge with a wink and a, and a nudge some of the some of the less savory things from the past. And, exactly, and and you know, acknowledge while also acknowledging the things that were great. But it's now time for us to talk about that main event: Deanna Parazzo versus Jordan Grace for the Knockouts Championship in that thirty-minute Iron Man match. Any thoughts, Mark? I liked it. I didn't love it. I think I went in with too much expectation. Uh, um. Only giving them 30 minutes, I must say only, but only giving them 30 minutes when I think that they could have told a better story and had, therefore, a better match with maybe even 40. I know 45 minute Ironman match doesn't exist, but something along those lines. They needed 
in my eyes, they needed more time to tell a better story and therefore get a better match. Uh, admittedly, it was it was a good match. Yeah, it yeah. wasn't I, and, a match in my eyes to close this show though. Yes, uh, especially as as only half an hour, like you said. I think for for the most part, they they did fairly well. But I think it was towards the end where they had to they had to pick up the pace a bit too much, and I think that's where where this match started to fall short. I'm thinking that maybe they were into my kind of thinking as well that we we we've got more time than what we did, and then you got someone that you know maybe even the referee saying you got speeded up girls go home go home, mm-hmm. and that's where all that happened all the rush which which is noticeable. It's just it's just a shame. Like I said, you can't take anything away from the match. It, it was a good match. Yeah, true. But um, it was it was more to me, think, in my eyes. I think the more the 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 notes I have here, I was I was quite surprised about Jordan Grace's technical skill because she was good. Yeah, like like uh, uh, we've seen her we've seen her do her power moves. We've seen her do do a, a little bit of grappling, but to see her against someone like Diona Perazzo, who is very extremely skilled in those and those technical uh in that technical style uh was was something that i've that i've kind of forgotten that she could do and and that's a match that i think that could have gone either way until parazzo blasted grace with the belt <laughs> oh did we expect anything less from a from a, from a dirty dirty heel <laughs> yeah and that's and that's the thing that i that i had mentioned when we were talking about it two weeks ago yeah, when I talked about her potentially getting a win or, or utilizing foreign objects in some manner, and and that's kind of what I wanted to get to here is that I think ultimately Parazzo has been overstating her skills, and I think that she's she's going to be making it away. She's going to be making off of the championship not because necessarily of those of those skills as as strong as they are, uh, but because of that that killer instinct. She's gonna be like like Adrian Neville when he was NXT champion. Yeah, they've, uh, they've, they they know how to close it out, which is a really interesting uh, a really interesting way to go about that in in the women's division because I think that's not a thing we have seen uh, very much of in women's wrestling. You've you've seen the dominance, you've seen you know the sneaky heels, but but someone as you said, someone like like Perazzo who can you know knows when and where she has that ability to to know now is the right time to strike as you said you you, you don't often see that if ever in a, in a, in a women's division like i'm th- i'm trying to think of of any examples of this we might have seen and the, the closest i got is 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 maybe maybe victoria from wwe in like 2003 2004 you yeah. know that's over a decade ago yeah. uh, um, i mean things it, that are, things that are old can be new again Exactly. Like, exactly. Such time, like such time has passed now that you know. Apparently, us wrestling fans don't have a long memory, so it would it, it's just brand new again. But uh, you are bang on, bang on the money. Mm-hmm. Overall, uh, I think night two was fairly weak as a show compared to to night one. But I think if it was all one show, if it was one two hour show, I think we could have been a lot more forgiving of some of the clunkers that that came along the way oh, i yeah i think if this was if the, if if they if tna were still running sorry if impact wrestling were still running weekly pay-per-view or not weekly monthly pay-per-views and this were like the addition of of sacrifice for 2020 yeah i'd, I'd, I'd have paid my 40 bucks to see that you, you you're not wrong there if as you said you condense both shows into one you would you would you walk away feeling yeah 
I was, I was, I was entertained. Mm-hmm. I enjoyed the show. But as you said, splitting it into two, and you, you've already kind of shot your bolt on the first show and overloaded it with the championships and the great matches. The second show is going, going to have such a hard job to, to match that, at least. And it just it, it fell short by a few notches. Mm-hmm. But the saving graces, as you said, were seeing Diona Perazzo in a new light, so to speak. It's seeing that, that attitude of you know grab, grabbing the win from anywhere, any moment, any time. And then you've got the, the, the EC3 storyline going forward with that. They, they were, in my eyes, the saving graces of, of the, that show. Truly, especially with with you know such a such a slow championship match, and and a Russell House that seems to be committed to being goofy. Uh, you know, you can't go wrong with it. Goofy in your life, it's yeah, it needs something it breaks to balance things up. <laughs> out. All this. You need something to balance out all the all the seriousness. But yeah, that's uh, that's Emergence Night Two in the books. Uh, Done and dusted. I understand we have some things to push that are coming up next week. Yes, again, this is where I'd, I'd hand off to, to Mark, and he's obviously off on assignment for ProWrestlingPost.com, and I'm left to do this, so this could be fun. Get your record button ready, folks. So first up this week, coming up, we have a Indie Spotlight watch on Caveman Ugg. Now, you may think that that's a very strange gimmick, and in all intents and purposes, you could be right, but Caveman Ugg is one hell of a wrestler. We had a, a guest book this week, uh, from Justin Mostela. He's uh, handed in a piece for us, and it's all about Caveman Ugg, about his his rise to dominance over in Australia and New Zealand. It's a great read. Uh, I can't wait for you to, to read it. I, I was, I, to be fair, I didn't know anything about Caveman Ugg at all. I've known for some of the promotions that he's worked for, places like PWA Black Label, which we cover on the site. He's also did Pro Wrestling Gorilla, PWG, the Battle of Los Angeles last year. So some of you hardcore fans might actually have seen him. He's uh, he's very, very good. The gimmick is very, very strange, but it, it all works. It's great. It's a great read. That will be out sometime this week. Obviously, I'm not going to tell you when, because otherwise you just pop on and see it whenever. So keep your eyes on the site, and you will see that very soon. You, you talk about the strange gimmick. That, that's the thing that, that I'm admittedly kind of a sucker for. Uh, <laughs> I can I list I can list tons of examples of of just the strange gimmicks that that I've gotten wholeheartedly behind just because of how strange they are. There's a guy um, who wrestled for Alpha One by the name of Space Monkey, and and that's his gimmick is that he's a monkey who who went to space and came back in in a much different proportions and uh, <laughs> has has used that that newfound size to become a pro wrestler. See this this is where this is where I think Vince is as has written us fans down as wrong. He he changed the narrative in WWE to change everything to more realistic. Eric Bischoff at the same time in WCW, more realistic. Fans want realism. We want this. Yeah, okay, we do. We also want to be taken out of out of that every once in a while. And these gimmicks don't happen so much. And to see these gimmicks like like Caveman, like Space Space Monkey, which I'm now going to finish this pod later and go looking for. It's 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 different, and it's because it's different. It's great. Yeah. Yeah, like those those it's those characters that are that are so far out there. But before we were recording, you were talking about uh the uh show you saw with uh the anti-fun police. Yes, yes. Like I said, one of those one of those gimmicks that is just so far out there, but but we love it because it's so far out there and because it it opens up all these new possibilities. 
always always great to see that uh, on the indie scene they're, they're not a, a duke the dumpster drowsy they're not a a donk the kion they're not that outlandish they're just well, i'll say outlandish we're talking about space monkeys i know yeah. that's sharp <laughs> <laughs> uh, okay the second piece out this week is by um our, our good friend alex and he is doing an on this day about a certain match between Kenta Kobashi and Dr. Death Steve Williams. This match took place on the 31st of August in 1993. So that's coming up to 27 years. And it's, uh, it's a match that has gone down in history. It was hard. It was tough. It cemented both men as complete and utter legends of, of the sport. Because this is Japan. It's not entertainment. It is a sport. And Alex has written an amazing piece, and I can't wait for you guys to read it. I, I'm excited to read it as well. Uh, uh, Kita Kabashi and, and Dr. Death Steve Williams, two of the greats in uh, all Japan. And you say this is, it was it was 27 years ago? So that's, yes. that's an early 90s all Japan classic right there. Two guys who were exemplary of that King's Road style that Giant Baba was so strong on in the foundation of, of All Japan Pro Wrestling. Alex's piece here, it's it's not just, hey, remember this. It is a breakdown of the match. Mm-hmm. It is showing some YouTube clips from the match. It is a complete and utter dissertation on a, a fantastic match. And as I said, I can't wait for you guys to read it, including yourself, because obviously you're, you're a fan of, of the, uh, the Japanese style. Indeed. I'm a fan of those, those early old Japan days. And especially when you have guys like Dr. Death in there, you got guys like Bruiser Brody and, you know, those, the four pillars, Kabashi, Kawada, Masawa, and Akira Tao. Uh, yeah, really great stuff that they were doing in that time. And, and stuff that really echoes in, in, the kind of uh, wrestling we're seeing today in the indies and and on TV. If you're not too sure what the four pillars are, go check our site and check out the indie spotlights, I think they are, and some on this days and everything else, blogs. Just check them out. Just type in four pillars and you will read all about the four pillars who, to be fair, up until about two months ago, I had no idea who they were. Really? Uh, for my shame. Yeah, for my shame, I had no idea who they are. When it comes to Japanese wrestling, I didn't really get into it until 2008, 2009-ish. So, again, I'm going to go back to it. I'm going to say it. We don't entertain. We educate at the same time. And you're educating me. I'm I'm the editor of the site, and I, I, I read this stuff and go, bloody hell, I didn't know that. So... Just go out of your way, folks, and, and just read some of this stuff. It's it's just really good work. Really good work. And that's amongst other wonderful pieces that will be on the site next week. We are we're starting to run a little long. I guess we can we can wrap up. I missed Raw Underground this week. I uh, decided to use it as a bathroom break. Uh, was was Brock Lesnar on? Much like yourself, I, I was kind of busy during uh, that section of Raw. I was washing my hair, mm. so I'm not sure if he showed... I haven't seen anything online, and if Mark would hear, he would probably tell us because he, he is the head honcho of Pro Wrestling Post, and he knows everything. But yeah, I haven't heard anything. I was washing my hair and giving it a good old scrub. Yeah, maybe next week. Hopefully. Yeah. Touch wood. Well, That's me touching wood right there. Right then. So yes, that's the, the end of the show. We're running long. With, uh, without Mark here to timekeep us, we've kind of overrun a little bit, but never mind. So this is us saying goodbye. But before we go, Pablo, where can people find you, mate? Uh, you can find me on Twitter at Pete Probably. No one's gotten to me about the username quite yet, which we'll have to I'm eventually. disappointed. 
I, I am disappointed. I may have to make a, a, just a separate Twitter account and just message you randomly <laughs> just to, to ask why your name is not Pablo more than anything else. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Well, I don't know why I, I went for Pete probably because <laughs> I guess, yeah, Pablo probably was taken. I'm so sorry. I, it's been a long day and I called you Mark and then I've sort of carried the joke on possibly a bit too long. Um, my name is Mark Blake. You can find me on Twitter at MarkBlakePWP. I completely forgot myself there, but never mind. Next week, hopefully, we'll have a full team. Next week, we'll have more news for you. And next week, we'll have more pieces for you. So until that time, bye-bye. Thank you very much. Goodbye. <laughs>